0: Nation. thanks for having us back we bring you the hottest bass fishing education on itunes bass edge radio continues to provide you tips and techniques that would lead you to more productive bass fishing
1: well kurt we certainly do what we can but don't forget our guests quite honestly they do a lot of the heavy lifting but hey i'd like to join our bass edge listeners and thank megaware keelguard for supporting the show a longtime faithful sponsor and believer in bass edge radio Presented by Megaware Keelguard.
0: That's right, Aaron. Keelguard does an incredible job protecting our watercraft investment from debris and providing products for ease of operation. Be sure you check those out at keelguard.com.
1: I am beginning to feel a little bit of that spring in the air. The birds are starting to chirp a little bit and uh, the wind's kind of changing direction. And we are going to chat about that with pro angler Pete Pons today in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Come to think of it, Kurt, yesterday you'd mentioned that you had something else up your sleeve.
0: Aaron, I do, but uh, you know what? I'm not quite ready to let that cat out of the bag just yet. Let's just say we're going to have a little bonus at the end of today's show. And listeners can keep on top of the latest Bass Edge information through our Facebook page, Twitter handle, and of course, BassEdge.com. Stay tuned. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio.
2: You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So, give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard Keel Protectors.
3: Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios. High above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks.
0: that fast approaching transition into spring fishing is here for most of us below the Mason Dixon line. We have fish that are beginning to feel a little frisky while our northern anglers are still watching the ice stall. But, Aaron, I got to ask you, do you have any new baits you're looking forward to taking advantage of as the water warms?
1: You know, Kurt, I can't say new baits, but I think favorite baits would be probably more of a classification. Obviously, it's no secret love to stay out in the depths, you know, drop shot, fish deep. But also now the bass have one thing on their mind, and that's moving into the shallows to start the spawning season. And I really like at that time of year, like to get out the wiggle wart style. baits, You know, the crawdad imitators, it's got that wider wobble, that big bill, grinding it in the rocks, parallel the bank, going down and just uh, trying to sane the bank there. But another one of my favorites is going to be the Rapala X-Rap. Now, of course, I'm not sponsored by them, but I call it the Mary Kay bait. It is a jerk bait that's bright pink. And, you know, that water temperature starts to warm. I really like keeping that thing moving at a more brisk pace, especially if there are spotted bass and smallmouth around.
0: For sure, those sounds like fun baits to throw. I tell you, I've got a couple baits that I really look forward to throwing this time of year. And the first one is an Optima BLT swim bait. You know, I like that five-inch model. It seems to be, you know, you hear about all these giant swim baits and these smaller swim baits. I like it right down the middle of the road. Man, throwing that swim bait up on those spawning flats can produce some super jarring strikes. And it's just a fun bait to fish. If I had another choice, it would certainly be small crank baits. It just seems like, you know, you want to get out there. Those fish are moving up getting a little bit more active and any of those tight little wobbling crankbaits seem to really produce for me this time of year.
1: Boy, that is for sure. And you know, Kurt, one of the things that I'll say about springtime fishing and and specifically kind of that March timeframe is that I often find myself kind of caught in no man's landing. On one hand, the winter solstice, the days started getting longer, the moon phases changed, uh, Mm -hmm. the fish are wanting to head shallow. Yet on the other hand, you can't get too carried away because there's still a lot of fish that are out deep you know in that security in that stable environment and the water temperature and hanging around those bait fish it's kind of a tough time to get mentally focused
0: yeah it is and really you know a lot of us jump out there and we start getting on the lakes and we think man it's spring the water temperature's getting into the high 50s or low 60s and the fish just biting everywhere but the reality is is that they're coming out of those like you mentioned that lethargic mode so they're not just jumping out of bed and just going off and running down the street you know it takes a little while to wake up and sometimes we need to fish a little bit slower and stay slow in that springtime to get some of those bigger fish and get those
1: quality bites well for sure and you know i am excited as our guest for this week's angler spotlight mr pete ponds who one of his favorite baits you mentioned earlier is one of yours is lipless crankbait he's kind of the crankbait guru Let's go out and see what Pete has to say about throwing a crankbait in the pre spawn spawning times. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio.
2: At Legend Boats, we have one agenda to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand laid hulls and zero tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211, with its massive fishing platform, the Alpha 199, fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend boats. Catch the wave. Ride with a legend.
3: More Bass Edge in 30 seconds.
0: pre-spawn bass fishing for much of the country. Today in the Lucas Boyle Angler Spotlight, we've got a prime-time angler BASS Elite Series Pro Pete Ponds, Pete, welcome back to Bass Edge.
4: Kurt, it's great to be back. I tell you, it's been a while since I've done one of these podcasts, and I'm very excited to do it. You know, I appreciate you guys having me. Well, Pete, it's
1: always an honor. And thinking about the history there, you have a very long history with Bass Edge, appearing obviously in several shows a couple times a year. You and Kurt both, for that matter. And I remember the first time I think all of us met, I believe, was there at the Bass Elite Table Rock tournament. I think is where we actually got hooked up. Take us down a quick trip down memory lane and what do you remember most about some of those crazy outings that we used to have out on the road?
4: You know, Aaron, I have to think back, and I believe it was your first television show. I'm not sure about that. But you are
3: right. I forgot about yeah, that.
4: Yeah. And uh, you came down to my house. We were all green, but, of course, you guys didn't want to admit it, and I thought you were very experienced, I felt like I was the only green one in the bunch. <laughs> uh, we actually went out on the lake that I live on. It's a thousand acre lake, and, and the fish were biting very well. We shot a show in half a day without doing what they call B-roll, and that's where you go do scenery-type shots, but we were all excited about that and everything was working great, and so we came back, and we actually hooked it up to my television and watched some of the uncut versions of it, and uh, we decided to go back out that afternoon <laughs> because it wasn't quite what we expected, but uh, as you well know, fishing, when you're doing a television show, it's a little different than when you are just going fun fishing, and we caught ourselves fun fishing in that thing a little bit more than we needed to and a lot less information that we needed to give, and that was probably one of my fondest memories of going through that. And Aaron, after that, I don't know if you remember or not, I remember you asking me about guys that would be interested in doing television shows and other pros that I knew. And of course, Kurt Dove was the name that came up. So you contacted Kurt after that. So I actually introduced you to guys. And I'm going to take full credit for that because it sounds like it's a great team that's going on now.
0: Well, I tell you what, Pete, you got a good memory because you're exactly right. I sincerely appreciate you introducing me to Aaron and enabling me to get involved with Bass Edge. It's been a pleasure as well and Bass Edge listeners you can go online to BassEdge.com and look at these TV shows that Pete's talking about and he was in several and, and I actually did several with Aaron and Bass Edge as well but we've got the season 1, 2, and 3 DVD sets for sale on BassEdge.com there's 12, 13 episodes along with lots of content that was never seen before on television as well as Aaron you guys put together a really cool electronics and deep fishing 101 DVD. Make sure Bass Edge listeners you go there to BassEdge.com and check out those
1: we did we did and uh, a lot of fun and certainly a lot of memories kind of feel like the three musketeers all having this conversation and one time in particular you know kurt it's no surprise that pete had a crankbait a lipless crankbait for that matter in his hand when he actually put the second largest fish ever caught on the bass edge cameras <laughs> into the boat.
0: okay i gotta know what was it i don't remember that one
4: it was a carp. I just, uh, what, what surprised me about all the whole thing of this is that carp got more hits on YouTube than any other the that we did. I had a carp, uh, Kurt, that was probably, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds, and uh, it was just a, I thought I had a huge bass. Oh, my gosh. Really I still remember
1: when he hooked into time. it.
0: I remember uh, Aaron, actually, Mike Webb, he, he thought he had the biggest bass ever on, and it turned out to be a spoonbill over
1: there table rock as yeah well. that that was the number one and and ironically you know mike webb I, we would have set the line class record with that fish but when we called the missouri department of conservation when that was caught of course missouri has a spoonbill season not to go into too much detail but you're not allowed to possess them so we had to take the measurement and that fish was estimated to weigh 86 pounds on six pound drop shot you know those are vegetarian much like a carp you know hitting pete's lipless crankbait and uh i'll never forget it he was throwing a red yozuri crankbait down in alabama we were somewhere where there's nasty nasty weather but like i said certainly no surprise that he had a crankbait in his hand when he did it
0: well definitely not and leave it to pete to uh catch one on a crankbait pete obviously that's one of your expertise and many anglers do not realize the effectiveness of crankbaits in the springtime most often you know we're thinking about crankbait fishing and and you think about the summer and the fall pete what fish behaviors make a crankbait effective during this pre-spawn spawn spawn time of year
4: get ready to spawn, or they're in the pre-spawn pattern, they're staging right out in front of those spawning flats. The water temperature is anywhere from 45 to 55 degrees. And one of the lures that I really, really love to throw then is called, like Aaron said, it's just a Yosuric vibe. I'm not sponsored by them, it's just a great bait. A competitor of that would be a Strike King Red Eye Shad. Both of those baits are really good baits. I take one, and actually my dad fishes with me quite a bit, and he'll take the other, and we'll compete, and sometimes we swap and, uh, you know, one's about as good as the other on that style of fishing. But what you do on that is you're fishing out in, say, four to seven feet of water out in front of the spawning flats. Water temperature is so important this time of the year, 45 to 55, and this is a pre-spawn time. And you throw that bait out there and you actually work it suspended. So you'll throw it out there, reel it fast, pump it up, and yo-yo it, let it fall, pump it up and yo-yo it. And most of the time those strikes are going to come right after you drop. Just as the bait's starting to drop, that's when those strikes come. And I believe what happens on that, guys, is that it's almost like, you know, when you're sitting at your desk or somewhere and you have a fly or a bee flying by you and you swat at that thing. I believe that fish is doing that as well. And it's the, you just like, get out of here, you know, and swats at it. And a lot of times you'll catch those fish on the outside of the mouth, but there's always more than one fish there. So when you go and you throw when you do that, you catch one, go back in there in the exact same spot and catch another one. Most of the time, these are these big females that are sitting there waiting to move up. And then now, I would think that another bait that comes to mind is a really tight, wiggling bait. bandit makes one called a flat max. It's a deep-running flat max. is really good. There's also one that bandit makes. And, and I am sponsored by bandit, but that is the bait that I would choose on that that's called a footloose. Now, that footloose works really good on up when the spawn is happening and post-spawn, okay? Those male bass will start guarding the fry. And for those of you that don't understand what that looks like, if you've ever of a bait in there and you're reeling it back and you see little sprinkles on the water, it looks like raindrops falling. It's actually what that is, is fry. And those male bass will guard that. But that banded footloose will just kind of sit right there where those fry are. If you throw it out there, reel it in, stop it, reel it in, and you stop it right where the fry are, where you see them sprinkle out the male bass in every always come up there and explode on that thing, and it's just such an easy catch. Really, it's an awesome way to catch the bass in the post-spawn. Well,
0: Pete, you mentioned two different styles of crankbaits there. You started talking about some tight, wobbling crankbaits, you know, the Yozuri, the Red Eye Shad, the Flat Max, and then you kind of shifted your conversation there to the post-spawn, and I know from experience, the Footloose is a little bit wider wobbling crankbait. Are you specifically using a, a tighter wobbler versus a wider wobbler at a specific time, and why do you choose that?
4: Yeah, good question, Kurt. I think that the fighter wobble works better in colder water temperatures. And as the water progressively warms up and spawns, water temperatures can be say 60 to 65, even into the 68, 69 degree. Normally, when the water temperature gets that degree and the moon phase is right, where you're on the first side of a full moon, then the bass are going to spawn. So. As the water temperature warms up, I want a more aggressive wobble. I think what's intriguing about that footloose just as much as anything is, is you're able to stop it right there where the fry are. The bass is gonna eat. These to protect those fries. So that's what keys them in on that strike probably as much as anything else. Now I'm not saying you cannot catch them on other things because I can catch them on a floating worm or even a uh, topwater lure works as well too. And that footloose is a lot like a topwater lure as well. You know, that's what I'm concentrating on, basically letting that bait sit right there where the fry are well pete give me
1: your basic gear setup for spring cranking because you can't just Apply the same rod reel line that you would if you're flipping a jig. Kind of walk us through what's in your tackle box or setting on the front deck of your boat when you're throwing a crankbait.
4: Yeah, of course. I like the reel I like to use. I tend to throw a fast retrieve reel. I use a 7 1 Ardent Edge reel. And the reason I want a fast retrieve is because I want to be able to take the slack up fast. And there's so many guys that want a slow retrieve reel when they're throwing a crankbait. I'm not necessarily one of those. I mean, I do want that in the very cold wintertime, but as the temperature warms up, then I want to go back to my normal gear. So that's the reel that I would choose. The rod that i choose, I'm throwing a seven-one medium medium-heavy action rod, and what I want on that is a lot of tip. I want to be able to, you know, have a little flexibility when the fish does strike or that it almost gives for just a second, has a light tip on it, and I think that rod is really the perfect rod for that. This is a seven-one medium medium-heavy, I believe is what it is.
0: What kind of line setup are you going to- for Pete. You know, you hear a lot about lighter line with cranking and and, uh, that kind of thing. What's your process on that?
4: That's a great question, Kirk. Whenever I'm throwing a deep water crankbait or a crankbait like we talked about at Yozuri and things like that, I use the lightest line that I feel comfortable with. So that might be a 10-pound test, it might be 12-pound test, and it might be 17, depending on what I'm working around. Now, if I'm over at Gunnersville and I'm fishing around that grass with the lipless crankbait, then I'm going to use a little heavier line than, say, when I'm on a lake that doesn't have that tight cover. If it's just got flat open water, then I'm going to go down to 10 to 12-pound test. But, uh, you know, as the cover increases, and I use a heavier line now. What? Whenever I'm, excuse me.
1: Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I was just going to ask as far as the difference on, you know, fluorocarbon versus monofilament or braid. Do you vary much in in the types that you're actually using, Pete?
4: Yeah, you know, I've found that fluorocarbon seems to be better for me when I'm in a tournament situation. Now, for your average listener that that doesn't fish a lot of tournaments, if you're just going fun fishing, monofilament is so much more user friendly than fluorocarbon. Just as a general rule. I use vicious line, of course. But monofilament is less. It does have more stretch. It's not quite as sensitive, but it's just so easy to cast and so easy to mess with. I would say that if a guy's just going out to have fun, that's what I'd recommend. If you're in a tournament situation, you want every bite that you can get, I would say fluorocarbon. And I want to go back to the crankbait because when I'm using a bait like the Footloose and I want to use extremely heavy line, I use 17 to 20 pound test. And the reason I do that on the Footloose is because it stays at the surface. Um, it really doesn't matter about the lightness of the line on that particular bait. So I hope I've answered your
0: questions. So, yeah, definitely. Sounds like when you're throwing that loose, you're going to put the steel real quick with that big yeah, line. That's sure. pretty awesome. Um, I tell you, we talked a little bit about some subtle differences with the uh, crankbait, you know, the tight wobble versus wider wobble. We're about to head to break, but I, I want to talk about two more subtle differences that we need to be sure we're paying attention to that really might make one choice. A bait more effective than another in this pre spawn spawn time of year?
4: I really believe, and I don't know the answer to this question. I think to will load you up because in the pre spawn time, red is just so strong of a color. If you look in my rattle trap box, or I say rattle trap, but I'm saying lipless crankbait box, and, and rattle traps are great bait. They're, they're the ones that started it all. But, you know, we all kind of call them all rattle traps now. But talking about lipless crankbaits, red, it would have to be. I'd say 70 to 80% of the color that's in my box. Wow. I would say that that would have to be one of the things. And I have to stress again, you know, the tightness of the wiggle. The further north you go, the colder the water you go, the tighter wiggle you want. Even up there, you know, when you get on up into um, where the water's frozen and just below that, where it's, you know, as it starts to thaw out. Some of that stuff, they don't spawn until June and July. That's why those tight wiggle crankbaits are so popular up north is because I think the wiggle has everything to do with it. And as you progress south, then the water heats up and you have more of a wobble. A good bait down here in the wintertime is Rapala 7S. That's a stands for Rapala uh, sinking and it's a seven inch I think is what it is. That bait is one that I just kind of keep under my hat and it's a really cool bait but you look at it in the water and guys it looks like you're reeling a stick in. But,
1: uh, <laughs> I've done that's that before.
4: Yeah I mean it just has no action at all but then again the fish like it and that's because it's got a tight wobble as those water temperatures are cold. So the other thing Kurt I guess you're asking for it would be as water temperature increases I change the style of the wobble.
0: Okay good stuff. Well very candid there information from Pete Ponds. We're gonna give our listeners a little break with their wrists from note-taking. Stay tuned. This is Bass Edge Radio. Oh, oh,
2: oh. O'Reilly. Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a superstar battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every superstar battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, SuperStart batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, oh, oh,
3: O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove. We're back,
0: and we continue the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit lucasoil.com. It's made in America and
1: sold to the world. Well, Pete, picking up right where we left off, you know, we hear a lot about crankbait hooks, different colors, types of hooks, etc. What are some of your preferences for the different applications?
4: You know, whenever we're talking about hooks the first thing that plays into mind is how sharp it is. That's what's most important to me and you know, I'm not sponsored by any hook company, but I strongly recommend the Gamagatsu hooks. I strongly recommend the owner hooks. Those are two that I go to quite often. And you also start thinking about colors of hooks and things like that. Used to I believe strongly in the red hook, and we, it seems like we all went through a phase of red hooks or not red hooks. And my thought process is, you know, if it gives you confidence that you're going to catch more fish, then yes, do it, absolutely. Now, am I going to take and change all my hooks out to red hooks? I doubt that I will do that. But if it's got a red hook on there, I'm not going to go to trouble taking it off. So I would say whatever gives you the most confidence is what I would go with as far as colors go, and then I would also say that the key ingredient that you're worried about is sharpness of the hooks. Triple grips versus round bend, I like triple grips quite a bit, but there's some negatives to them. I mean, when you first initially get that strike, how many do you miss because of that? I think that uh, it's important once you get that strike that the fish stay on, of course. So I like a triple grip hook. But again, let's go back to the thing. I think a lot of this is confidence in what each individual person has. So my thought process there would be to tell your listeners to just go out and experiment with those variables and see what you develop confidence in. It'll make you a better fisherman. There's no question about that because confidence is 80 or 90% of fishing. It totally is. And if you believe you're going to catch those fish, and for some reason or another, you do catch them, and that's what it's all about. You know, you see these guys in tournaments, and they're all sudden on a, what they call a winning streak or whatever. A lot of those confidence, and you do good in one tournament and it seems to lead to another tournament or if you have one bit successful day then the next day you go you feel like you're going to catch them man and you, and you normally catch them so that's the, that's my thoughts on that and I'm kind of getting a little sideways off the track what you had asked but
0: well Pete I'm going to dive back into this crankbait hook bucket and uh, you, you talked about um, triple grips versus round bend you know for, for our, our listeners that kind of need some more information including myself what are you talking about when you're saying when they first initially hit it sometimes on that triple grip you know you might miss a fish what are the different properties of those styles of hooks that's making such a big difference between that round bend and that triple grip type hook and and what is it that's different about those hooks
4: well you know kurt i believe that the triple grip actually what that is is the points come up and actually turn in a little bit Uh, not the actual point but the shaft itself goes up instead of making a round circle it actually comes back in on itself just slightly and what that's supposed to do is really grip the fish whenever he hits it well it, the only common sense will tell you that when a fish is striking that if the hook point if it was in a little bit it's not going to get as many times as it would if it was slightly out just a little bit now but what, what you are talking about is, like
0: the round the round bend is, is more slightly out
4: yeah the round bend would probably have better hook strike where you first initially hang them okay. you catch more initially there but I think once you get them on the hook, then that triple grip will get them to the boat much more often than they would come off. The round bed, I think your initial strike, you're going to stick them, but then they're more likely to come loose on your playing in. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: I totally do. So it sounds like if I'm finding, you know, I'm fishing a crankbait and they're just really sucking it down and eating it real good, I'm probably better off with the triple grip style hook. Whereas if they're just kind of pecking at it or I need to really watch about how they're biting and they're not biting it as strong. I might be a little bit better off with a round bend hook. That's
4: exactly right, Kurt. There's a great analogy there. I mean, that's exactly what I was trying to transfer to the listeners.
0: Well, Pete, many of our listeners enjoy following you and watching you compete on the tour. Um, we've talked briefly the last few months here at Bass Edge Radio about preparation. What is it that is going to be the most important thing that Pete Ponds will do to make his fishing more successful in
4: 2013? Well, Kurt, you know, I thought a lot about this as we all- always do during our off season and probably one of my biggest problems are doc talk and listening to what other guys are doing and i need to concentrate on fishing my strengths and not necessarily somebody else's strengths so if i like catching on crankbaits or i have a lot of confidence in catching on crankbaits when that time arises then i need to use my strengths and that's what i plan to do different listening to what other guys are doing usually gets you in trouble and i've been doing this for quite a long time guys and most of the time you're not going to find somebody else that's your competitor that's going to tell you how to beat them in the tournament. So you have to keep that thought process in mind. I mean, even though they're your friends, they want to win the tournament just like you do. And listening to them tell you things about how they're catching fish or what they're doing, and I'm not going to say they're not going to tell you the truth, but what I'm going to say is that you need to do your own thing out there and I need to do my own thing out there and I need to fish my strengths and that's how I will be a better competitor in 2013.
1: Well, good stuff. And gentlemen, here we go. Maybe one of the most popular segments of the show, and that is the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question. This week's question comes from Robert Spangler, who asks, I am 14 years old and want to be a professional tournament fisherman when I grow up. With the bass spawn coming up, I was wondering how I can successfully fish the pre-spawn, spawn, spawn, and post-spawn. Again, that question is from
4: Robert. You know, Robert, I would say that, you know, listen to this podcast, you've got a pretty good idea what the answer to that would be. But one thing that you need to focus on, and I know you're just 14 years old, is It would be water temperature, and I would say that if you don't have access to a boat, you can actually go to the drugstore and buy a thermometer to where you can stick it in the water and see what the water temperature is and Robert I promise you if you learn those water temperature variables it'll make you a better fisherman it'll make you a better fisherman the time that you're asking about the spawn and about the uh, pre-spawn and post-spawn that's probably the key element that we didn't cover very well it varies everywhere you go I mean further north you go the water temperature will be a couple degrees colder and and all the same factors work further south you go it's a couple degrees warmer and I would also say Pay attention to what's going on around you and your surroundings, especially if you're a bank fisherman. Watch if you see any movement. You know, before you walk down to the edge of the bank, kind of stand up there and observe just a little bit of the area that you're wanting to fish and see if you see any movement going on. Because if you do see movement going on, chances are there's fish spawning. And real subtle interests. they can hear your footsteps when you walk on the bank. They can hear your boat when you pull up into a shallow pocket. If you are fishing out of a boat, sit there for just a minute real still and just look around and see what's going on in your environment because a lot of times that will give you the keys to know how to catch those fish and so that would i guess be my advice for you Robert. well there you
1: have it robert congratulations for having your question chosen on this episode simply send us an email acknowledging that you heard it and you will receive a hundred dollar o'reilly auto parts gift card
0: and bass edgers remember to send in your listener questions along with your name and hometown to bass edge radio through our email support at BassEdge.com or post them on BassEdge Facebook page or our Twitter at BassEdge. If your question is chosen to be answered on the show, you'll win a $100 gift card from the professional parts people at O'Reilly
1: Auto Parts. Pete, as always, great having you with us today. Any last thoughts for our listeners before we close it down?
4: You know, Aaron, I've thought about this as you are saying it. I believe that the best advice that I could give is, is remember we're having fun. Enjoy your time out there on the water. Enjoy your time fishing and have fun with it that's probably the biggest advice that i could give let's just have a good time and enjoy life
0: great stuff pete and thanks a lot we had fun with you today thanks for being on bass edge bass edge listeners stay tuned we're going to be right back with more bass edge radio
3: Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com.
4: I'm Lucas Oil Pro, Billy McDonald. You're with Bass Edge Radio.
0: Aaron, that was a lot of fun. Great having Pete back on the show. For all our Bass Edge listeners, be sure you follow Pete and I this year as we fish the BASS Lead event, as well as all the anglers that we have here on Bass Edge Radio. There's a lot of fun stuff going on all around the country, for sure.
1: Well, it is. And, you know, just the relationships, Kurt, and the funny stories that happen out on the road, you know, one in particular that happened here most recently was, um, you know, our last recording episode. Bass Edge is kind of realizing that, uh, you know, life on tour and and that. um, We had a little audio difficulty last week.
0: Yeah, it sounded like you had me stuffed in a closet.
1: (laughs) That is true. That is true. But, you know, you can't remember everything when you got to pack up and, and remember to get your tackle and rods. I'm sure the technical equipment is probably last on your mind
0: yeah sometimes it is I tell you talking about some technical things you know P brought up a really good topic in that interview he mentioned making your next cast back to where you just caught your last fish. Aaron, you know, so many times, have you ever seen where that's happened to you?
1: Unfortunately, yes, and I've learned from it, Kurt. I know I shared this with you, but in my most recent tournament that I had fished, I had a situation through a uh, tube, throwing eight-pound test line up close to the bank. It was on a deep drop-off. The line just took off zinging, heading for deeper water, and the fish came off. You know, it just pulled off. Big, smallmouth, I know. Instantly, I dropped the rod, reeled it in, threw a back up there. Of course, it wasn't the same fish because that fish was, you know, 60 feet away from the bank and probably 40 feet of water by that time. But uh, threw a crankbait up there, two cranks on the handle, boom, caught a a three-and-a-half pounder right after that. So there was concentrations of fish. So what he is saying, I've had personal experience, and I know, Kurt, that you've done the same.
0: Yeah, Aaron, you're right. There's no question. Tip of the day for sure, next cast after you just caught a fish should be right back where you just caught that fish. Aaron, before we sign off, as promised, I've got a little bonus segment to this episode. Due to such great feedback from Bass Edge Nation, we're going to be awarding another $25 O'Reilly Art of Parts gift card to a listener question. And Aaron, I'm going to shoot this question over to you. Scott from Leeds, Alabama asks, I hear you guys mention from time to time about tying jigs. I tie my own marabou jigs and flies for crappie and other panfish but have never really thought of using them for bass. Could one of you guys go over the type of setup rig you use for these jigs and where and when they're most effective? Again, that question is from Scott from Leeds, Alabama.
1: Well, Scott, very good question. You are correct. I do like to use hand-tied jigs. Now, I think it's very important to preface that by saying I'm not talking about your traditional leadhead style bass jig that has the rubber skirt. I'm talking specifically about the type of jigs that's basically used for panfish, crappie, various walleye, all those type of things. How I got onto that was out deep fishing, drop shotting, the bass that I caught coughed up a lot of bait fish. I simply grabbed one of those out of the water, put it in a Ziploc bag with water, took that over to a good friend of Bass Edge, Steve Brigman, who is a fly fisherman, and he has all the fly tying gear, a vise, and obviously all the materials but he essentially took that bait fish and then matched that thread fin shad to the jig and essentially it's the size of jig that you would use for crappie just a little bit more had some rabbit hair in it had some shiny pieces of tape that actually came off of it the head was just traditionally white in style but I, marlite I think is actually what the typical term is nothing different than what you would use on the crappie. So that's essentially Mm. how I got into that situation. However, I do not tie them personally. I would suggest if you tie yours, you're certainly capable of doing that then. If not for those who do not have those capabilities... Pair up with a fly fisherman because those guys, I can tell you, they are very, very detail-oriented. And, Kurt, I'm sure you can attest to that as well.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. Aaron, you talk about being able to kind of match the hatch in this particular situation. Where and when do you find it most effective? Is it more of a warm water technique, cold water technique, and deeper shallow stuff? Are you looking for these types of situations?
1: You know, I've tried it on both ends in a warmer water on both the, the early fall and early spring where I found it most effective has been where what we're just coming out of has been the cold cold winter instead of you know drop shotting some sort of plastic bait or uh, you know even a spoon or you know what they call an ice jig. I essentially what I do is I tie a polymer knot, leave a lead hang through about twelve to thirteen inches of line, and I bring it up through a drop shot, but I only put like an eighth ounce split shot or a three sixteenths or something like that on the end. Because what I found is, and this was side by side comparison against a spoon, against the plastic drop shotting, just like we talked about, you could see the school there, but that slow fall and it looked like that dying bait fish is just going down because that marabou jig As you well know, it's going to kind of flutter and spiral and kind of look like a tube, but it's falling very, very slowly. So in the dead cold of winter, in a deep situation, you know, I'm fishing that for suspended fish is where I found it to be most successful for my application.
0: All right. Well, it sounds like maybe our northern anglers still have a little time to test that out. But there you've got it, Scott. Congratulations for submitting a question we just could not overlook. You're going to be awarded a $25 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card, and we'll get that out to you very quickly remember to submit those questions folks so you too can become a gift card winner i'm kurt dove thank you aaron for answering that question and for episode 155 we'll be back in about 15 more days this is bass edge radio
2: you know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard.
3: For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and RapaHolic.com.